make it real or else forget about it. Hello, human beings. Welcome to Insert Credit Show, episode 101, and then one again. 111. 111. 111. By the time you listen to this on your listening-only devices, you will have heard two weird different episodes that we did. But this one's going to be a little more normal if the episode that we did for 108 was considered normal. Uh, so we've got we've got me, Brandon Sheffield, Tim Rogers, who's Tim Rogers, and Frank Savaldi, who is Frank Savaldi. Usually, yeah, I'm I'm one of those people. They're all there, and I was just in Japan with Tim. Yeah. And there, <laughs> and there, I was purchasing some video games because I video uh, games play, play Asia. As you insert credit, longtime associates may remember, Play Asia. They were a sponsor we of had, Instant Credit, weren't they? Yeah, they were a sponsor of Instant Credit. Um, nice. Yeah. And I was able to get some of that ad revenue and yeah. use that to, um, to purchase some video games. When I went okay. to Japan, or in order to not feel bad about purchasing video games when I went to Japan. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, f- I forgot that there was some ad revenue in there, so I took it. Anyway, the point is, I bought old video games, and I thought to myself, why the heck, why am I collecting these things? I uh-huh. mean, I know the answer. I know the answer, the real answer, but, but in a larger sense... Why collect and why acquire? So, mm. Tim, you don't do that too much anymore, but you used to do some of it, and, and you oh, still yeah. you still have some things that you want. I think the the games I had, I tend to, to buy. I, I played a bunch of them. I mean, I I got yeah. them for playing. Mostly, I was yes had a thing well, where I wanted to build like a library, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I I don't mean like collect just to collect. I mean you're you. When we were in Japan, you were buying a, a, a few specific things to try to have a certain kind of thing go on. And Frank, you you have yeah. the the magazines mm-hmm. and whatnot. So you know, Tim justifies his collecting uh, as as wanting a library of a specific aesthetic. Uh, you know, in the same way that that I justify my collecting of of magazines as as wanting a reference library as as, as some kind of tool slash public service, right? Uh-huh. And uh, but you know, I think even if you have a, a valid justification for collecting, you're, you're still uh, acquiring physical things and and putting them together in a space, and that is kind of weird. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's you know, there's. Like, to what extent is there some, and, and this is a little sort of embarrassing for me to talk about, to what to what extent is there some, I want to be known for liking cool things mixed up in there? Like, this is part of, part of who I am is the fact that I like these kinds of cool things. Hmm. Yeah. I don't... Okay, at least for mine, I don't. I don't really think of this stuff as being all that cool. I just think it's useful. Uh, I do have that small video game collection, though. Uh, what I call my top shelf, um, mm-hmm. which I think you're both familiar with, where I just kind of put nice boxed copies of games that are important either to history or to me, uh, and I collect them as if they are first prints, like they're books. Well, I collect. Sorry, I collect the first editions of games as if their books, because I don't think people do that too often. So, you know, the Japanese Super Mario Brothers, uh, the Commodore 64 Tetris, you know. Um, and, yeah, I do think a certain part of that is is showing that I, 
I don't know, is, is, is some kind of reflection of me, right? Which I think is what you're saying. Like, I yeah. consider, I consider these things important. When, uh, when people look at my top shelf and, and see these things, I want them to have some insight into who I am, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got these, these Saturn PC Engine games everywhere, and I guess I've talked about it enough that now I get, I get a, a, an email or two per week with someone saying, like, yeah, I'm uh, thinking of getting into the Saturn. What do you What do you recommend that I buy? Which is uh, kind of <laughs> weird, weird and funny. But I I don't know. I guess that's the result. Um, but there's there's kind of there's a line that I think we all would have to draw between things that we buy and just stuff that is stupid to collect. But it's it's quite personal like i i would say yeah. for for my money collecting amiibos is stupid right. but yeah but i mean i've got almost 300 saturn games that's pretty stupid <laughs> i think i think you and i and and actually probably all three of us uh have some slight rebellion toward things that are made to, specifically to be collectible yeah, and I and I think the amiibo uh, thing is, is is definitely part of that. Like, I, they, the amiibos make me feel gross. Like, I, I want nothing to do with them. I'm I am like somehow anti amiibo, even though I think they're fun little toys, and 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 I think that the tech is neat and everything. But just because they're, uh, you know, the the supply is limited in a way as to make them collectible, and because yeah. they are. Uh, made in a way that encourage you encourages you to like have a full set or you're a noob, you know. Like I I I think I'm just against that and and I and I draw the line there. And I think that's, I mean I I actually used to collect you know old Nintendo games myself. I used to have like 300 of them in the in the box and everything. Yeah. And I think um a large part of what of why I sort of rejected doing that and started collecting some some of the things I consider more interesting uh, is because there there sort of emerged this mentality of of the NES library being this thing you're supposed to complete and uh, I don't like people telling me what to do is I think <laughs> what, what, what what it comes down to yeah I feel that way also I mean. Even if they were things with no limited supply, I, I, I wouldn't want those. Uh, I mean, even I feel like I can put myself into my shoes as a child, uh, pretty easily. And I don't know if I would like Skylanders either. You, you can't move their limbs. Yeah, they're just yeah. kind of standing in like a statue pose. That weirds me out. Yeah, I wonder about the, because I, I remember how I played with you know uh ninja turtles and uh food fighters and and rock lords i don't know if you know those last two but rock lords rock lords they were they were like transformers that turned into rocks they all transformed into different rocks you you were getting your action figures at the big lots it sounds like (laughs) Uh, i didn't know what a big lots was (laughs) I, i got them at the Thrift store, or occasionally Toys R Us, but mostly. Big Lots store. is a is a thrift store that sells new stuff. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's that's what a Big Lots is. But you know, I was I was I was playing around with these things and giving them imaginary scenarios and stuff, and I was I was actually thinking this morning for for some reason about Skylanders toys and nice since. Since there are so many worlds that a child could already put them in and have them do stuff, d- does it affect the way that they play with them? Be- like, G.I. Joe's, people that knew what G.I. Joe was, because I didn't really, I just knew what the toys were, um, they would they would go along... S- not storylines specifically, but they would be kind of within canon as much as they could be. They'd be like, "This is a good guy. This is a bad guy." They're on, mm-hmm. and the bad guys are on this team, and the good guys are on this team. And I had no idea. Um, yeah. And so, I wonder to what extent the video game affects the imagination play of a Skylanders toy. 
I, I'm, you know, like Tim trying to put myself in, in, in my kitty shoes here again. And, uh, I don't think that would affect me very much. Like it's, yeah. I don't, I don't think the continuity of, of the Ninja Turtles cartoon really affected the storylines that I came up with when I was playing. But were you like Bebop and Rocksteady and April are friends and they're going on a picnic? No, yeah, there. I mean, there were clear divides in terms of like, you know, yeah, okay, so yeah, that's true, yeah, um, in that like the Shredder and his people were, you know, that organization and the, and the Turtles were their own thing. Uh, there was a clear like good versus evil thing, I guess. Um, but I don't know if that's the same as like the rules in Skylanders uh, being what, you know, they, they have these specific powers and, and, uh, well, and, yeah, you, you put them on the portal and they show up in the game and then right. they're doing yeah. what the game designers want them to do. But they also don't, I mean, it's not really like a, a narrative driven experience. I don't think. Not exactly. Um, I mean, there's there's something going on there. Yeah, but I don't know if it's enough of a of a narrative that's that's like hammered into a kid's head where where that is the world that they're in. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, kids still have imagination, of course, and I'm sure they're sure. gonna they're oh, gonna they're gonna do stuff. I was just I was just just wondering to what extent they're like, okay, this guy's got this power, so he he can do this stuff, or if they're like, but what if he could, et cetera. I don't know. Anyway, that's not the real point, but like uh, <laughs> amiibos and all that, it kind of reminds me of the, the the story Tim has told of of his brother and the Beanie Babies, where yeah, like creating a false economy there. Um, yeah, talking about how much money they're worth. Oh, these this one's yeah. worth two hundred dollars. It's like, oh, why don't you go sell it? I don't want to. Why don't you go sell <laughs> it? Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> Could appreciate in value, you know. Yeah, it could go up. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's like, well, yeah. and I think those Beanie Babies are still in a bunch of plastic boxes in the closet. And there's a weird thing with value when you're when you're collecting things or buying things that you like just in general. I feel like if you have that mindset at all, um, my, my father would always uh, pick up something that he saw at a thrift store or something because he'd be like, oh, I think this is worth money. And, you know, regardless of whether it was, he didn't, eBay didn't exist. Yeah. He didn't have a, he didn't have a way to sell that really. Uh, yeah. He he didn't, he didn't have, he needed a, he needed a fence is what my dad needed. Uh, someone to, to sif, shift all of these goods away. But <clears throat> for me, the, the the price that is associated with the thing that I buy there's something there's something to that when I when I get something that's worth sixty bucks in general the average price is sixty bucks on Amazon and I get it for four dollars uh, somehow in some terrible part of me the worth of that game that my personal copy has increased because I paid so much less than what I could have paid. I don't know if you feel that way at all. Yeah, sure, and and I think that's just the feeling of of having beaten the system uh, more than anything. Yeah, yeah, and and but there's also to some extent like an I know what stuff is kind of in there too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, that, I don't know if I'm really grossed out by that so much because it's like. You know, for for both of us, we we have that specific thing that we are acquiring, right? That was that has its limits, and yeah. and to celebrate uh, being able to do that uh, better than other people do it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like that's yeah. that's just giving yourself props for being smart. Yeah, it. You know, I I, I go to uh, flea markets and stuff with my girlfriend, and she girlfriend. buys. Girlfriend, uh, we 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 split off, and she buys high-end clothing for way cheap, and I buy video games for less than they're worth. And then at the end of the day, we're like, yeah, we got we got some cool stuff. It does get uh, into kind of a weird area sometimes, though. Where like uh, last time I went to a flea market, 
uh, this guy had a backlit Game Boy Advance SP. Same one I have, same color and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was 15 bucks, so I'm like, I have to buy this. Like, Why right. did I have to buy that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about where, where like, okay, so I was in Korea, and there was this huge stack of Saturn games um, that was, it was like eight stacks of 20 high Saturn games with a sign on top that said 5,000 won, which was about four bucks at the current exchange rate a, f- a few weeks ago. And in there were like eight copies of Assault Suit Lanos 2, which goes for between 20 and $35. I like that game. Um, it's a good game. And likewise, the same amount of Albert Odyssey and a whole bunch of uh, one specific Tactics Ogre. All of those... If I had if I had bought them for four bucks, I could have made like five times my uh, my investment if I bought them and brought them back. But I thought that that would be kind of a crappy thing to do because maybe there are other people walking around who want that game, and if they find it for four bucks, they're going to be really happy. So I left them there. But apart like. Briefly, I thought about buying them all and selling them, and I definitely know other people who would do that, and I can imagine that's probably what happened immediately after I didn't buy them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Owned. So, like, I don't know. What's the point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the point in trying to do anything good? No, uh, but I also thought about um, this was I was thinking about this when I was with Tim and Super Potato in Ikebukuro, um, and I was considering whether I should buy these two games that were relatively expensive, but they were about thirty to fifty dollars cheaper than they would be anywhere else, and the exchange rate was better than it was ever going to be in Japan or than it had been in like ten years. And so I decided to get them. And so what is the most money that you would pay for something that you really want within the sphere of things that you might collect and given your current financial situation? Oh, man. So, I mean, are we talking about video games or are we talking about other stuff? No, you can get into, like, synthesizers or guitars or whatever you want. Yeah. Well, so I, I used to kind of collect guitar stuff, and uh, there was uh, the the first edition Digitech Whammy, which usually goes for like was going for about a thousand dollars at the time. I found one for five hundred, and I didn't realize that I was willing to pay that much for it. And I got it, and it ruled. And uh, yeah, that was cool. But uh, I I can't really say that I really really want any stuff that I think is rare. You know, like it's the kind of stuff that people sit around talking about wanting. Yeah. Like, I mean, God, I don't know. Like, I'm perfectly content with, and I mean, this doesn't mean I'm immune to wanting to collect stuff, but I'm perfectly content with Radiant Silver Gun on Xbox Live Arcade. You know, right. I really don't need it on the Sega Saturn. Uh, is there a reason yeah. I should need it? I mean, if you handed it to me, I'd take it, you know? Like, if you were like, hey, uh, can you hold this forever? I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I would totally take it, but I can't think of wanting to actually put the money down and buy it for a hundred and, what was it, like a hundred and sixty bucks? Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. it's... I'm going to get further into that stuff a bit later, but like, the like I was saying when we were at that super potato, you know this this Astra Superstars that I bought for uh, about seventy six bucks, and usually it goes for about a hundred thirty. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fair amount of it's quite a bit of money for me to spend, and also I could burn it and and play it, or I could emulate it and play it. Yeah. I don't need to own the physical thing. So, like, what 
what's that about? Why do like why bother? Um, I don't know, Frank. You've you've had to organize the purchase of much larger items for the purposes of preservation, but that feels quite different. Yeah, it's not collecting. Yeah, that's different. No, it's yeah. completely different. Um, and you know, the the answer to your question of like, what's the upper limit of of what you'd spend if it was something you wanted? Like, I don't really have an answer to that. It's just whatever disposable cash I have at that moment. You know, is is my upper limit. I don't I don't know that I've ever been like, oh, I have that much and I really want that, but I don't want to spend it. I've always just been like, yeah, I have it. Sure, here. Uh, it's bad for savings, but you know, it's it's yeah. fine. I'm doing okay. I so think like, that's how I used to be. Okay. I have uh, these glasses. Uh, so anyone okay. uh, who doesn't know, uh, I I guess I collect uh, handmade eyeglass frames by. Uh, the maker who made John Lennon's glasses uh, in Japan, and uh, I'm wearing a pair of them right now. So it's uh, there is one pair that I bought in 2007 that is like the pair that I most frequently wear. It was in all of my Facebook photos. Uh, uh, I realized once it got stolen from me, uh, somebody stole my backpack in San Francisco. I realized that. It was part of my face, and by wearing the other pair of glasses I had, it just was not the same human face, and that I needed them in order to complete my face and uh, get my identity back. Uh, so that was weird, but at the same time, that sort of launched me into wanting those glasses, and I got a pair of them, uh, miraculously located a brand new pair uh which is insane. I feel like a criminal every time I wear them because it's like these should be in a museum. They're a handmade pair of glasses, and there's only 50 pairs in the world, and uh, they're just hand-carved with the, the maker's mark etched in 18-karat gold on the inside of one of the arms of the glasses. It's like this is kind of a fantastic item that I own. And uh, so, yeah, recently I've become somewhat... Uh, interested in purchasing another of the 50 pairs that were ever made. <laughs> and it's really hard to find, and it occupies about 20 minutes of my day every day, is checking all the usual suspects to see if uh, any other pairs have surfaced. I know that all of them were bought within maybe like six months of, uh, of, of being made, uh, being made one at a time this particular model and uh, most of them, like somebody bought these glasses, not, not the ones I'm wearing right now for anybody watching, but somebody bought them and then just never wore them and kept them for seven years thinking they could sell them someday. And, and this is something that I wonder about collectors. And then they let them go for a very like reasonable price, like very little over, the original sale price of the glasses. So they just had a whole bunch of stuff lying around. They're like, well, I guess I'll get rid of this. Like, I don't need this. Is that what it was? Or like, so that's the thing. So anyway, I would pay kind of a lot for another pair of those black glasses with the gold etchings in them. So, yeah. That's not yeah. so much collecting, uh, though. That's I don't know. That feels different to me. Well, no, no. It would be collecting because I wouldn't wear them. I would. I want to buy an older pair, like a used pair, so uh -huh. that I can then put the brand new pair that I have away and like never wear them because I feel terrible wearing them. You okay. know, because so it's, like it's, it's not for the sake of a backup. It's that you want to have you you like these glasses so much that you want to have a pristine version of them. It's yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of of uh, people like sending their comics in to be graded uh, in, uh -huh. in like like in this hard slab where you can't enjoy it anymore. It's it's just because like they like this thing so much that they want a pristine version of it to uh, to I don't know to to what you know to, yeah, to I just I just want to put it away. It's yeah. kind of like sealed game collecting in a yeah. in a way in that like uh, my the our new artist. Catherine, um, 
owns a copy of Rule of Rose that she paid 90 euros for. Cool um, game. And has and it's sealed and she's never going to open it. But she plays it on an emulator on her PC because it's a better experience anyway. And then she just keeps this object because she loves it so much. Yeah. Uh, I almost understand it. But then like I go down to my PS2 library in my house and I see I see games that I just haven't opened. I just happen to have not opened them. And uh, they're like RPGs mostly. English translated RPGs that I just didn't open because they were daunting and I didn't get around to them. And now I look at how much those are worth on eBay and I get nervous about opening them. And that's a feeling that I don't want to have. Yeah, and but and and I get the I get the sealed game thing quite a bit. Like you know, the the games I was mentioning earlier, or even I have that set of LucasArts adventure games because they mean a lot to me. And it's it's I don't I don't install a five and a quarter drive to, yeah. to like play the original EGA version of Monkey Island. You know, like yeah. I have I have a box that's on my shelf that like once in a while I'll open and like play with a little newsletter and stuff that came in there. I guess, but. Really, I have that just to be, have on a shelf, and if I play the game, I'm just downloading it. I'm, I'm pirating it, even though I own it, yeah. um, because there's no reason to play that original media. So I get it, uh, and you know, the, the it being shrink wrapped or not, you know, it, I just don't care. I just care that it's a nice looking copy. Like if 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 I I happen to get it shrink wrapped for the same price, I'd probably just keep it shrink wrapped. But I don't necessarily need that in my life. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't purposefully buy a shrink wrapped, shrink wrapped thing, but if it's something that is shrink wrapped and I don't need to open it, then I feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't. But, yeah. but that's a weird. That's a weird feeling. I th- I think. Um, I was. I saw this thing on Facebook. There was a guy. Oh, don't look at that. Who I know. It's a mistake. There was a guy talking about. I don't know if you've seen these. These little cartridges made in Japan cartridges for your smartphone yeah. that you can you can plug it in there and it'll essentially what it does they're these little cartridge looking dongles that unlock existing content in games it's essentially really clunky uh, physical DRM and uh, yeah. th- this, this guy was like awesome and I was like, can you explain to me why this is awesome? And he's like, well, it's obvious. And I was like, it's not obvious. Just tell me. <laughs> and he's like, well, I think cartridges are great, and I miss cartridges, and so uh, I think this is fantastic. But ultimately, it's like you're buying this piece of plastic to get in the way of something you already bought. And it it it's it's really... It's strange, that kind of... It's like I think I think that's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it it's, is. It that's is exactly what I was gonna say. Like it, it, it's it's not a collector thing. It's a nostalgia. No. Thing. It's just you know the 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 older I get, the more I realize that almost all problems come down to uh, uh, some people want things to change and some people want things to stay the same. And like you know, this nostalgic people who who want things to be like they were at their happiest point in their life. You know, that's a, that's a type of person, and that's what yeah. uh, that product preys on, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think it's interesting that, like, you know, we, we collect this, this old stuff, uh, you know, from, frankly, what were probably happier times in our lives from, from, from that era, but I don't think we do it in a nostalgic way. I don't... I don't pine for the days of physical media and, you know, yeah. I'm like going to the video game store. Like I, I am very much over that. I'm, I'm like Tim. I, I'm fine with my digital copy on, on Xbox Live Arcade. Although more specifically, I'm, I'm fine with, uh, uh, pirating my ROMs, uh, and don't yeah. the original, uh, uh, cartridges. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's a totally different thing. And, and so, that's so weird in its own way. So while, while I was in Japan, I bought, uh, Dragon Quest V for the PlayStation 2 and Dragon Quest V for the Nintendo DS. And I already own a copy of Dragon Quest V for the Super Famicom. And 
I kind of forgot I did that, and I opened up my suitcase. By the way, Brandon, your stuff is uh, on my sofa. I like I'm gonna it's go all get it. Yeah, so come on over and get it anytime. Uh, I'm here all the time because I live here. Uh, and uh, I just gutted it open, and I was like showing Kerwin my games, and I'm taking them out, and I'm like, yeah, I got, I got Dragon Quest, and I'm just looking at them all sitting on the sofa, and I got them all specifically to play them, right? Like yeah. I, I will play all the way through Dragon Quest V on my DS. I used to have it, and I lost it, and uh, the reason I bought it was not to regain what I had lost, but so that I could play Dragon Quest V on my DS again. Uh, because I really, really, really like that game a lot. And I bought Dragon Quest V on the PlayStation 2 because I want to play it on my PlayStation 2 uh, on my TV with component cables and a nice progressive scan mode. So, uh, yeah. But then I realized I have three copies of Dragon Quest V, and I really like the box art of all of them, and they're all on my shelf. I have this game shelf that's just... Games I like and like playing with box art that I like and like looking at. So, that's weird. Uh, but I noticed that everything I bought in Japan is a Dragon Quest game with fantastic box art. Yeah. So, I'm just looking at it. I should take an Instagram picture of all of them. Just be like, yeah, here's my DQ. Deal with it. Because uh, there's, there's Deal a whole with it bunch quietly. quietly. Deal quietly with my Dragon Questings. Yeah. Um, so this kind of brings me to my my midpoint question. MPQ. Which is, uh, are games from the past better than games of today? Uh, no. That's a tough question. Um, I don't think games of the past are better than games of today, but... Uh, Why don't you play any? <laughs> any? Any what? Games of today. I'm playing Undertale right now. UT. Um, right. Well, you, usually when we have this conversation, you're like, I don't play any of that stuff. Yeah, but Undertale I don't, I don't play is very a... many. Okay, so, okay, the reason that I, I will often play uh, older games more than I play modern games is the same reason that I don't, like, go to the movie theater that often, which is that there's so many games throughout history that I haven't played that are that are proven to be good, you know that 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 are that are known quantities uh, that I don't think it's worth the risk of playing very many new ones unless you know the the feedback I'm seeing has just been so spectacular that it's irresistible to me. Like I've never played through a Dragon Quest game, you know, like, and I know they're all probably pretty good. I've never played through Chrono Trigger. I've never played through so many things. I've never played Panzer Dragoon Saga, uh, yeah. and it's. I, there's just this gigantic library of amazing games that that I can play at any time, and and I don't know why I'd choose to to gamble on something new over doing that. Uh huh. But also, uh, I do just kind of experiment with with crappy old games, just to just looking around, and uh, I think that's just a result of. Uh, me not uh, being afraid of, of piracy and flashcards and just uh, being able to uh, load up a, a random Genesis game for two minutes and, and decide I never want to play it again. You know, all I've lost there is two minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think for me there's, there's, something, there's something else in there where with... <laughs> Like a Genesis game, if I, I remember, I went to Spencer Yip's house, the the head of Silicon Era. And, former. Yeah, former. Uh, he's he's doing a a video game company now, but he had like these Chinese um, Final Fantasy games for the Genesis. You mean Final Fantasy? Yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yes. Podcast over. <laughs> That's right. I did. And <laughs> I was I was pretty excited about it in spite of the fact I knew I wasn't going to be able to play it. I cannot read the language of Chinese. Right. You um, were excited about it in sight of no in sight of my yeah. spell. And yeah. to to me I think one of my favorite things about 
uh, I don't know if it's collecting or if it's um, just excavating these these experiences. It's discovery, which is so much harder for me now. Yeah. Uh, because there's just so much stuff, but it's it's fun to be able to. It's like you were talking about with the the proved thing. Like I know that I liked some games on the Genesis, for example, and of course I haven't played all of them. But when there's when I'm presented with one that I had no idea existed, or nobody had any idea existed, you know, outside of a few people in China, that's extra exciting to me more than if someone did something new. Mm. Uh, yeah. To some extent, I mean. Something new would have to, it would have a lot more to prove to me to get me a little bit excited. The new thing I would probably rather rather play. I would have a better time playing it, but I wouldn't be like, oh man, guess what just happened? This game came out. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and obviously I relate as someone who hunts down... Uh, Nintendo Entertainment System games that never came out, right? Yeah. And looks like most of them are garbage, but I'm really excited to see any new uh, game that was developed within the system's lifetime. You yeah. know, it's even like though piece of the puzzle, exactly. And even though I haven't like played all the ones that did come out, you know, that that doesn't seem to matter to me. There is something appealing about finding something new, and and I don't know if I know exactly what that is. Is it just like, you know, the excitement of the hunt of of discovery? Is is that really all it is? I I don't think so. I think it's I think a big part of it is when you I would say all of us have amassed a particular like set of knowledge. We've mm-hmm. got like a a weird knowledge base, and it's pretty full. Uh, within the areas of things we're interested in, but but it's not completely full. And if and if it's like, oh my goodness, there's a way for me to increase my insane laser focus on this topic. It's it's exciting because it, it's like you think you're done with this thing that has yeah. somewhat consumed and fulfilled you, and then you're not done. And it's like, oh man, gotta gotta get it. Well, and and I'm at the point specifically with, you know, one of my weird things, which is the unreleased NES games, where, like, I will make a very minor discovery, like, uh, okay, so uh, this game, uh, GamePro mentioned it in, in, like, a review of the CES very briefly, but that's it. Uh, but, uh, whoa, look at this, I have this paperwork from Nintendo that shows it in their actual release window, so I now have, like, a primary source that this existed as opposed to uh, a magazine reporting on it, and, like, little things like that are still exciting to me, and that's... Right. that's yeah, and it's it, it's just what you're saying. It's just expanding on that thing that I know really, really well, probably better than anybody at this point. Um, yeah. And it's, like, there's, there's still more you know that that life is beautiful. There's there's discoveries every day. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Tim, Tim, are, are are games of the past better than games of today? Uh, that's a really big, difficult question. Like, oh, I know. for example, Dragon Quest Five is better than a lot of games today. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, having played Dragon Quest six, seven, eight, and nine. Eight particularly, I know that the writer, director, designer of Dragon Quest V is probably able to make a game better than Dragon Quest V, and maybe that's Dragon Quest XI. I'm ex- but does is that really a game of today? Like maybe that's a game oh, yeah. of yesterday. That's the point. Like, uh, <clears throat> like, what other games am I excited about? Like coming soon. I don't know. I feel like video ball is as good as some games of yesterday. So as as you I, can probably what? Oh, I I do want to answer that in in another way, which is that uh, I think all of us uh, have a preference for uh, games with an artistic vision that yeah. also had enough uh, resources to see that vision through. 
and and I don't think that kind of game exists very often anymore. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, yeah, maybe older games are better than uh, current games. I can see a future where we come back around to that, but I don't see that happening for a while. So the this the the theme of this episode, as has been perhaps obvious, is is the thought of nostalgia. I've been thinking about this because it's it's weird how it feels like in the last ten years that has become an industry much more than ever before. Yeah. You know, our movies are about that and our our well game collecting is about that and mm-hmm. and some of game development is about that. Mm-hmm. Um books are about that. That ready player one thing is is just about do you remember the 80s? Yes, no. If yes, then please enjoy this book. Um and or, or try to, you know, whatever. Um <clears throat> and yeah, my my girlfriend who is a biology major was telling me girlfriend. that the 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 part of the brain which I have already forgotten what the name of it is. She oh, told me, but I I forgot. She told probably me the hippocampus. I don't know. No, it's not that one. It's it's like a nucleo thingy something. Uh, anyway, nuclear inversus. Wow, I made that, yeah, that up. One. Yeah, that uh, one. Anywho. <laughs> is at its largest when you're a teenager and then it shrinks it gets smaller mm. so like your capacity to enjoy is at its greatest at that time and then you just you have less after that but you have less fit actual ability to enjoy things and so it this this explains to me completely why you see these constant articles from journalists who are you know in our age group, being like, you know what, Symphony of the Night is the best game ever, and here's it's why. It's the best. But here's why. Ultimately, boils down to I played it in high right. school. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah. And a lot of people get real mad and weird. Ones like, uh, actually, uh, you know, like. Wait, that's not what I meant to say. Sorry, I'm, like, really sleepy. Uh, A lot of people get real mad and weird when kids try to be, like... I don't know. I remember seeing people, like, there are kids who, like, Star Wars Episode One more than Empire Strikes Back, and people on Facebook are like, what is the meaning of this? Why would they think that? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe because they were kids when they saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or early teens or preteens. Yeah, it it bothers me that people <clears throat> today will say that you know stuff from their childhood was objectively better, but they don't have a reason because there, there isn't a reason. And yeah. this got me to thinking about what are the new video game experiences that people in ten or twenty years are gonna feel this kind of nostalgia for. I actually wrote a big list of a bunch of them that I thought of, but I want to mm. hear your, your, uh, well, before, your thoughts. Before you read that list, I want to express my theory about, about Dragon Quest and Pokemon, which very often, strangely, you will see uh, journalists, bloggers, and critics who otherwise do not care uh, commenting on how the series just refuses to change. It's frustrating that Pokemon is still the same game. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's new and it has better graphics. It's technologically upgraded. It's it's civic engineering at a point, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're, they're just polishing the service and bringing it up to date because it's a service. And I hate calling something as yeah, a I mean, service. You don't need, like, a, a, a chair to, to radicalize what it's doing you just want to sit on it and have it have it function for you yeah yeah and kids experience that service that good that dragon quest that new dragon quest that new pokemon and they can have that nostalgia for it you know like uh, later i mean it's it's the same thing it's the same quality and interestingly if one's mind is open enough one can play a new pokemon now see the thing is i was too old when the first Pokemon came out, so I kind of yeah. missed the boat on this, but yeah. like 
I was already in college, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, one can play a new Pokemon as a grown-up and be like, still kind of connecting and bonding with the the children of that era who are playing it, and then agree with them. Except then you get into the arguments of which Pokemon is the best, and those usually revolve around what you played when you were a, a preteen or whatever. And Dragon Quest is immune to it as well because the series mechanically doesn't change. But uh, I, uh, when a new Dragon Quest comes out and I play it, I remember playing an old Dragon Quest whose story might be drastically different. Yeah. And I remember it at a different age. I remember the age I was then, and I'm experiencing the nostalgia because it's so pure and true and real about itself, about what it used to be, that, uh, I, I mean, in a way, I feel like Dragon Quest is the perfect uh, experience of nostalgia because it's new and old, at the same time, and uh, God darn it, people should respect that. You know, when when you said uh, when you said I think it was you or I don't know if it was you or Frank, but that you, you know you can't you can't really go back and insert yourself in into that time and like play the game again and and experience yeah. that kind of that kind of thing. There, I've I've been having some stuff with that like. Yeah, I, I wrote an article about it on on Insert Credit back in the old days, like trying trying to go back to my mom's house and playing, you know, like uh, East Books one and two using the maps that I had made in, you know, uh, when I was fourteen or whatever, and and you know, not feeling the same way, but but I remembered that time. I remembered. How I felt when I was doing all of those things, like it, it it brought back memory. The way like, you know, you'll smell something and you'll be like, oh man, that one time I went to the beach. Smells like, and air temperatures. Yeah. Like exact air temperatures and humidity and barometric pressures. Yeah, they, those are strongly associated with yeah. memory. But I feel like if you get yourself into the right environment, probably the right air temperature and smells while you're playing an old video game, you can sort of get back there. And and another weird thing you could do is, like, I've I played through Shining Force 3 on the Saturn, and now I have Shining Force 3 scenarios 2 and 3, which are Japanese only and I did not have access to at the time. Now I can continue the story that I started in high school. That's kind of interesting in a mm. way. Yeah. Um, but back to the question: uh, Do you have? Do you all have any examples that you can think of of uh, experiences that that kids of let's say between like five five ten years ago and now are gonna feel nostalgic for ten to twenty years in the future? So that so we're getting like people who are let's say, 18 or 19 today mm-hmm. through, through the, the kids who are, like, seven today. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, I'm, I'm tempted to go straight to mobile just because of uh, mm-hmm. how many people, you know, play mobile games. Um, but, I mean, maybe I just haven't been keeping up enough <laughs> mobile games people are actually playing to know. I mean, like... Well, there, I, I, there is going to be, and this is the obvious, you know, like when you think of a popular mobile game, what do you think of? But like, people are going to be nostalgic for the original Angry Birds. Yeah, totally, without, without a doubt. In twenty years, I don't think there's going to be Angry Birds, and people are going to be like, "Wow, man, remember Angry Birds?" No, there probably will be some Angry Birds somewhere because it's like kind of a cheap game to make when you when it comes down to it. Uh, but you know that they're going to be nostalgic for the originals in the same way that people are nostalgic for, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog now, even though there's still Sonic the Hedgehog games. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So that's the first one that came to mind for me. Uh, I don't know, all the ones that come to mind for me are pretty obvious, like the Halo series. You know, that 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 is a meaningful series to a lot of people. That's a world that 
that people lived in uh, for substantial amounts of time. Uh, and and I think that that's going to, you know, maintain. Yeah. Well, like, thinking a little broader about that sort of thing, I feel like people, like, really soon are going to be nostalgic for when AAA was king, like, AAA console mm. was the thing. Like, PlayStation 3, 360, uh, everything was trying to look good and be big and you know they'll they'll of course remember you know mass effect and whatever but i feel like at a certain point people are going to go back and they're going to start looking at the the mid tier stuff and they're going to be like oh man two worlds too check out this weird thing yeah. or they're or they're going like, to be like you know what bomberman act 0 it had some good points, and I'm going to tell you what they are. You know, yeah, they're, like, they're they're going to discover games like Enslaved Journey to the West and stuff, and be like, yeah. "Wow, yeah, yeah." That uh, rules. I feel like that's sort that's of. A, <laughs> go ahead. That game, Enslaved Journey to the West, sort of rules. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it, but I know that y'all did, and that's cool. I don't think, you didn't play that much of it, though, did you? you played I played enough to know it, it wasn't really for me, but I didn't think it was bad. It just you wasn't know, for me. You know, I, I never played it, but uh, uh, it came out when I was working at 1UP, and uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Mike Nelson at 1UP. Uh, he just brought me over to his desk because he's like, I just, you know, I know you didn't play this game, and you're probably not going to, but I want you to see the ending. I was like, all right, and he showed me the ending, and I was like, I'm very interested in whatever that was. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's a weird way to introduce someone to a game, but the, the ending was so weird, uh, but not, you know, in, in, in an overt way that I was like, there's no way the game that preceded this couldn't have been at least interesting. Um, yeah. But then, and, and that's why that, that one just comes to mind as like something that people will, you know, that, that's like, you know the the like the gunstar heroes of the 360 era right where like you know the the few people who had it will you know 10 years later will be like yeah that game ruled yeah. and and like more people will discover it yeah i think that's how this kind of stuff is going to go i i also yeah. think that the wii that people will be nostalgic for the wii because you know they'll have it was so popular yeah so it 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 was in all the households and people played some stuff, but some people will have also played things like, you know, No More Heroes is a is an easy obvious one, but but yeah. you know P- Pandora's Tower or Xenoblade Chronicles because the Wii was kind of Japan's last hurrah as a console yeah. game maker. And what if they uh, come back though? Uh, well, as a console game maker, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think there are going to be a lot more consoles. Um, I mean, it could happen, but I don't, I don't know why it would. Um, <sighs> but regardless, it was it's yeah. definitely the, the end of the PS2 era of, like, I've got an idea and I have a certain amount of money yeah. and I have these assets and I'm making this video game and here it is. Yeah, yes. and it's well, and it's more importantly, I think it's like it's it's not just I have this much money in this asset, so let's do it. It's it's uh, there is no digital market; it's all store shelves, and and I can make a somewhat accurate prediction of how many units I'm able to sell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if it's because I have this distribution network, you know, so like that, I I actually think that the digital sort of sort of killed. The, the risky large budget games because you can't guarantee one sale anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah like yeah. You, you could guarantee X thousands of units to Walmart almost, you know, very easily. Especially right. in the days when you were exhibiting at E3 in order to like for its actual purpose. Yeah, to meet with distributors and, and right and, and 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 get orders so yeah. that you can then budget against that. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think that. I don't know, like there. I don't know how to replicate that that era of yeah. of, of spending on on game budgets. So uh, we've got a comment that is from Tyler Tinsley. It says kids today will be nostalgic for Naruto games. I pronounce Naruto in the non-superior Nihongo way because I imagine that's how Mr. Tyler Tinsley would want me to do it. 
It would be nostalgic for Naruto games and Minecraft, also Skylanders. I want to yeah. say I sort of disagree with that because, well, let's say Minecraft and Skylanders. Minecraft and Skylanders will still exist 20 or 30 years from now, and they'll still be very, very similar to what they are now. I feel like every new Skylanders slash Minecraft is going to build on. Yeah. Uh, like, that's what they do now. Now, here's the thing. Super Mario Bros. 1 and Super Mario Bros. 3 are, like, kind of drastically different games. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, Super Mario Bros. 2, the one that was released in the U.S., is an extremely different game, a huge departure from all of the uh, Mario games. Uh, uh, like, so I think now we have this thing where when you make a sequel to something, you replace... You don't replace anything. You add, right? So that's what I'm saying about Pokemon and Dragon Quest is I don't think they're nostalgia. I think they're like what we would want nostalgia to be. I think it's idealized. Uh, it's it's the new version, you know, which is uh, – I don't know if it's nostalgia-proof or, or what. But uh, Well, I could see with Minecraft that people could – be nostalgic for their creations that they made at a certain time and the yeah. the people that they played with. Because like mm-hmm. I've got friends who played who played Minecraft together and they made stuff together and you know those structures will probably maybe be stored somewhere yeah. uh, and th- and then they could go back and look at that and be like oh my god my past is here. But yeah. I, I, I disagree with you, Tim, because I think, at least with Minecraft, I think people are already nostalgic for the older versions of Minecraft. I think that for anyone who plays that game, it's going to hit a point where it uh, outgrows that person. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, Ultima Online still exists, but people are nostalgic for Ultima Online from 1997, you know. For, yeah, for the for the experience, not not in like a collector's aspect, though. No, but right? but but no, not not a collector's aspect. But they're nostalgic for the rule set and the world that existed at that time. Uh, yeah, and, and not because they got older, but because you know the the game kind of grew up without them after a while. So I think with Skylanders, with like the toys, uh, I think there's a lot of kind of potential for weird future feelings in there, because it's like, oh, I remember yeah. this particular Skylander. Like, maybe that's in there, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to, toys? Yeah. To, to Frank's point, I I think one, one of the other things that I had written down was quote-unquote real MMOs, because I, I feel like the mm-hmm. client-server MMO is, yeah. well, it's definitely on the decline now. Someone will probably do it again, but but this era of of that sort of MMO, especially the Western ones, uh, it's way on the decline. And you know, uh, World of Warcraft is not the same game that it was ten years ago. Um, but 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 it's still too like recent and and similar for people to be like really nostalgic about the yeah. game. But in another yeah. ten years, it it'll be on T-shirts and Target. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like you know, uh, rogues do it from behind would be <laughs> uh, like a, a a joke shirt on there, and and yeah. it'll have a picture of the rogue, and people will be like, oh man, that rogue, that dark elf rogue, or blood elf, or whatever kind of elf they get. I don't know. Um, uh, another another example I had here. This is a, a weird one, but. Uh, delisted games, like, mm-hmm. like, I'm uh-huh. sure somebody poured hours into that Toyota Yaris game because it was free, and they could get it, um, and now it's gone. Um, yeah. What, what's anyone gonna do about that? Like, there, there, you can get the collector mentality because people will try to try to excavate these from the depths, perhaps. Oh, uh, that um, just, by the way, uh, that just happened to me. Last week, uh, Sharknado, the video game, has been delisted probably forever uh, oh, wow. be- because of rights expiring. Um, so that that can happen real quick, it turns out. That's very fast. It, is that like a year and a half? Yeah. 
Uh, right. Less less than that because it was uh, end of July last year. So oh, wow, like a year and a couple months. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> so it's a weird thing. So I guess you got your copy. I mean, hey, my uh, oh dear Alpha, that was that was out for for a, a month and a half ish before before it was gone. That's you know nobody's gonna have nostalgia for that thing, but. Um, it's it's weird. It's just weird the way that stuff can go away. Yeah, that's 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 the side thing. Uh, another one I had here was handhelds with cartridges. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think I think yeah. There's there's an appeal to having like ten DS games in your bag. Yeah, <laughs> you know that, yeah. that 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 you don't have when you have ten DS games on your DS and uh, and trading and that that sort of yeah. thing, loaning. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Um, well, I've got more questions and more things to talk about, but we've we've basically reached the hour point. I do want to yeah. I want to I want to briefly just just mention a. Uh, Something that that the fan uh, that that uh, that's really interesting to me in terms yeah. of nostalgia um, is is Disneyland. Uh, the park has oh yeah it's it's evolved quite a bit since 1955, and they keep adding new stuff. They keep replacing old things, uh, but they managed to tow this weird line that I've not seen in anything else in any media or anything where. They evolve the park, but just keep enough of the old stuff to where, like, I don't think that even the most nostalgic Disney people are upset about any of the changes mm. that they've made. Um, and it's and that's it, it's fascinating to me that they seem to 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 find this weird formula where where they like care to maintain the history that was there, but they also need to evolve the thing so that people keep coming. That like has managed to satisfy, you know. Uh, everyone but the the craziest of their critics. So it's, what you're saying is that uh, Disney should make the next Sonic game. Yeah, oh. or the, or the or the next World of Warcraft. I don't know. Right. But, I think what you're saying is uh, Sonic should be in the next Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> that is that is what I'm saying. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a uh, pretty impressive. I cannot think of particularly anyone else that has done that or could do that. Yeah, and um, it's like you can't leave that park alone because it was built in 1955 based on what Walt Disney was nostalgic for, you yeah. know. Like, and it's it's it still has that same stuff. Like, it still has uh, this Main Street that's modeled after like 19th century Main Street in in any in some small town, you know. And that doesn't make sense to anyone anymore, but it's still there. And it and it, and people are like nostalgic for the fake version that's there, not for yeah. the the thing that it represents anymore. And that's I don't know. There's that that place. That, I don't know. I I really am fascinated by Disneyland. A lot know. of layers in there, certainly. Yeah, um, Disney layers. <laughs> to 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 kind of end this up, um, I saw on on Twitter today Asher Volmer. Like right when I was writing this stuff down, I know that guy. He he, uh, he said. The most flattered I've ever been was when someone ported threes to the Atari. Um, and, you know, I, I also just learned that Volcar the Viking just came out on the Dreamcast for free. Like, you can download it and put it on a disc and then and then play yeah. it. Um, and, you know, just a couple months ago, I got a three, 3D printed Hue card for my PC engine. Um, it's like... This this feeling is so powerful for people, especially it feels like people in in sort of uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say nerdy. I just don't know what the word is. It's like stuff that's made for particular people, yeah. for people for people that are like that define themselves by their taste, whether they have it or not. Um, it's it's really powerful for people and and will cause them to make business decisions based on it and or or things that are unrelated or or that shouldn't be business decisions like like releasing a new Genesis game 
You guys, you you, like you have not seen the retro VGS console, have you? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, because this is exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Oh. It's you know it's it's it was it was a bad business decision based on someone's nostalgia, which yeah. is that that uh, there should still be cartridge games. Yeah. And and that should be enough to get two million dollars or whatever. Yeah, and there were enough people saying, oh, my God, awesome, for the same reason that that guy on Facebook was like, oh, my God, awesome, when he saw that there was a cartridge you could plug into your phone Yeah, uh, that, that had a worse experience for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's weird and interesting, and um, it's just I, I almost feel like the DS, not the DS, sorry, the 3DS or the, the Nintendo eShop like that's almost the current version of that where uh, I think I've said this before but every person I have asked why did you release a game on Nintendo's eShop mm-hmm. uh, knowing that the market is really rough and they're like well I really like Nintendo I yeah. played the NES when I was a kid and it's it's interesting how powerful that, that stuff is for people yeah um, well anyway I guess that that'll about wrap up this episode number one eleven one 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 and uh I've been Brandon Sheffield at Necrosofty on Twitter. Uh, uh Tim Rogers at one zero eight. I'm Frank Savaldi at Frank Savaldi. Nice and you uh oh and thanks thanks to Blaine Brown for editing this together. You can Brain blown. go you can go to uh our our Facebook page and enjoy us there. Uh, that's facebook.com/icpodcast. And uh, yeah, you know, feel free to send us emails and say hello and do whatever. And I guess we'll catch y'all next time. Catch you like a baseball in a baseball glove. <laughs> in the outfield, squinting at the sun. Later. Oh, yeah. Podcast over.